the Practical Research Parenting Podcast. Here's your host, Nicole Weeks. Hello, here's another episode with Dr. Cole Whittingham talking about the sleep intervention that she and her colleagues have developed. The Possum Sleep Intervention is a unique, multidisciplinary approach that I really enjoyed finding out about. So much so that there'll be four episodes on it. It is really interesting information. This episode, Koa introduces the Possum Sleep Intervention and we get into the biology of sleep. I'm quite excited about finding out more about the Possum Sleep Possum Intervention. Possum Sleep Intervention, okay, sure. Um, this is the first of your research that I actually came across. Mm-hmm. And I really looked forward to hearing more about it. So I set up a Google Scholar alert, but then I got sure. sent all this irrelevant stuff. So <laughs> could you catch me up and me and my listeners up on the premise behind this possum sleep intervention and the results of your research and practice? Sure. So um, the possum sleep intervention is a collaboration uh, with a friend and colleague, Dr. Pamela Douglas. And um, Pamela is um, a GP who has also specialised within um, within postnatal postnatal oh, care as okay. a as a GP. So that's mm. that's her her background. And um, Pamela Douglas actually performed um, a systematic literature review um, of the the current evidence on uh, behavioural sleep interventions, mm. and her uh, conclusions were that. Well, first of all, that the, the effects um, in terms of the the duration of of sleep in of the infant and and you know episodes of waking at night really are very modest. Yes. Very modest. They're, they're not as startling as parents might might expect them to be. So what she found is it's it's really um, the effect that you might get if you. Um, you know, do a, a behavioural sleep. So I'm saying behavioural sleep intervention. I should just preface that. Yeah. You could also argue that the possum sleep intervention is also a behavioural intervention. It is similarly grounded in in behavioural worldview. Mm. Uh, but but behavioural sleep intervention is just what we we call the current dominant approach to to dealing with with infant sleep. So that's, so, that's controlled crying and. It would control trying and quiet out are part part of yeah the behavioural sleep intervention, but actually earlier, so most um, almost everyone agrees that you don't use control trying or quiet out under six under six months. Yeah, almost everyone agrees that you shouldn't. Though in practice, that often does does happen. It often Mm. does get used under six months because. you know, people get desperate and they, they, they don't know what else to do. Mm. Um, but it also includes many other things as well that get that get started really quite um, early on, so pretty much from birth. Mm. And that would be things like put the baby um, down in a cot in a darkened room when they're, they're drowsy but not asleep yeah. so the baby learns to sleep in the cot. Yeah. It would include doing feed play sleep cycles. Right. So um so if baby starts to fall asleep on a feed, you deliberately wake them up basically and play yeah. with them and then they go to sleep from a play, not from a from a feed. Yeah. The idea being they don't learn to fall asleep from a feed so they don't rely on that. They learn to sleep yeah. uh, fall asleep in their cot. Um it would also attend, tends to include um you know, advice about exactly how long a baby sleeps sleeps for, and trying to sort of fit your baby's sleeps to to fit that that amount. 
Um, so, so Pam's conclusions were that the effects of these interventions early in life really are very modest. Mm. So um, it amounts to um, waking a one less episode of waking at night every second night right. or about, you know, sleeping, you know, in a particular night for about 20 to 30 minutes longer yeah. in, in a given night. So that really is quite small. So it's yeah. not going from a baby who wakes, you know, three, four times a night to a baby who sleeps through. It's talking about a baby who wakes three to four times a night probably only waking three times a night, not mm. doing that occasional fourth waking. So that's when you put it into context like that, that really is a lot more modest yeah. than parents may expect. Yeah. And um, she also concluded there's no evidence that there's long-term benefits of doing this. Mm. So the only benefits are in the short term if that's helpful to parents in the short term. Yeah, and they're, they're minimal. And they really are quite minimal. They're quite, mm. mo- quite modest. And um, that they may also have unintended consequences for some particular parents and, and, mm. and babies. So a big one there might be um, to do with breastfeeding for breastfeeding mm. mothers. So if you're trying to do these feed place sleep cycles and you are also breastfeeding, you know, you might um, end up not promoting breastfeeding the way that you're you're trying to to, mm. to do so, and so you know breastfeeding might be something that that ends sooner than what you were actually you were actually planning to do. Yeah. From my own experience, it can also add a lot of pressure to parents and make Absolutely. them feel guilty for guilty or like a bad mother or you know all that sort of things for doing very normal things like feeding your baby yes. sleep. Yes, and absolutely. when your baby won't won't lie in a cot, absolutely, which is yeah. very common. So, mm. so at the moment, we've got this the the dominant paradigm out there is this is that you know way of intervening and training, trying to train a baby mm. to fall asleep independently yeah. in their cot and to to stay asleep for a maximum duration yeah. before the baby asks for the, for the mum to come back and or the dad or, or whoever. Um, so that's the dominant the dominant approach. We then have another kind of approach, which is kind of an answer to that, mm. uh, which is, I guess, a normalisation approach, is mm. approach that's sort of saying, hey, <laughs> it's actually normal for infants to wake multiple times mm. during the night. And we actually know, for example, for if you look at it from a lactation perspective, for um Many breastfeeding mothers, breastfeeding babies, those nighttime feeds are actually really important in terms of establishing good milk supply. Mm. So for for many mums, I mean, it's not going, you know, if you're breastfeeding, depending on, um, you know, factors to do with your breasts and your milk ducts that Mm. you may not actually, you know, you don't have knowledge of, that physiology is just ticking on inside you. You might, no matter what you do with your baby's sleep, if your baby's to get adequate milk, your baby might just have to feed during the night. Mm. And so we'll wait for that feed in order to get good milk supply no matter what you do with sleep. So mm. there's there's also that normalisation approach that is has been sort of fed through from the, the lactation science as well and what we know is happening is happening there that's just saying, look, this is actually normal for babies to wake up 
during the night. It's 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 normal for babies mm. to fall asleep on a feed. It's normal for babies to actually, you know, it's it's the fourth trimester. Mm. You know, we say they're babies, they're babies for us, but when we compare to other mammals, they're more like fetuses. Mm. So expecting them to to regulate sleep entirely independently is a pretty big it's a pretty big ask. Majority of babies don't do it. Yeah. You know, can't do it. And the majority of babies do learn to to fall asleep by themselves. Mm. Regardless of what parents do, the, you know, many will be able to do it by their first birthday and almost all will be able to do it by their second birthday, mm. regardless of what parents do. So it's something that they do acquire over time. Anyway, so there's then that normalisation approach. So this is where the background into which the possum sleep intervention then steps in. So um, so just before we move on to that, I, I do remember the study by Dr Douglas. Um, yes. And that, so that was focused on zero to six-month-olds, wasn't it? Yes, that's right, yeah. yes. And she did she look at, I can't remember, she looked at the long term, did she, as well as just those zero to six months in terms of whether it affected their sleep or how long they slept later? She yeah she she took that into account in the evidence and concluded there were yeah there were there's no long term benefit so any uh, trials of of behavioural sleep interventions to to my knowledge yeah. um, in infancy where they followed up done follow up so yeah. years down the track they 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 haven't found um, yeah. effects years down the track it doesn't seem to predict childhood sleep so certainly a baby who has um, is a difficult sleeper. So a difficult sleeper is more likely to be a child who is a you know a difficult sleeper. Yeah. But having a whether or not you do a behavioural sleep intervention, whether or not you do these things around sleep, doesn't seem to make a difference into how well your child will sleep at you know yeah. two, three or four. But of course, a child who's you know if your child struggles to sleep at six months, then naturally they're more, they're also more likely to struggle with it at six years. Yeah. Um, you know, relative developmentally to where yeah. they're at, as you know is with other with other things as well. A child whose motor milestones at six months are. Um, you know, who's struggling there with where their motor milestones at, of course they're more likely to be mm. at six years old, you know, not the best kid in the class at yeah. a ball or, you know. So, you know, that's not in a way really that startling and doesn't really necessarily mean it's got anything to do with what parents are doing. Yeah, which is a really important message because I've, I've heard parents saying, you know, I feel like I'm just a horrible mum. Sure. Why can't I get my baby to sleep? Sure. And yeah, yeah, that that message that it's not not necessarily you, and it's yeah. actually often quite natural. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I do also remember looking into those studies of the behavioural sleep interventions, and sure. and noticing that they had, you know, statistical differences at the end, and and that's what people usually look at. Yeah. Um, but then I actually dug deeper into the data and realise that, yeah, putting them down into their cot such that they fall asleep in their cot, mm. yeah, was preventing. I think, as you said, you know, maybe one in three night wakings <laughs> or, you know, it really wasn't 
as big a deal as a lot of people make it out to be. Exactly. If, if you do this, they will sleep through the night. It's yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's not that's no. not the effect that gets found when they when they do our, our, our CTs of it. No, it's no. very it's very modest. Yeah, but for for the majority of babies, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so sorry, go on in this context. Yeah, so it's into this context. So that's mm. what, what currently is out there that we sort of stepped in to want to provide. So we're wanting to provide um, an alternative to, mm. to, to both of those approaches. So the normalisation approach in many ways we think is, is sound, it's grounded, mm. you know, babies are like this. And we agree with that, babies are, are like that. Yeah. Um, but we're also wanting to... Um, within that space, give parents something to hold on to too, mm. um, to actually optimise sleep for both parent and mm. for baby. Um, and we, we do think that there are some things that do interfere with healthy sleep mm. um, for, for infants and to, um, to, yeah, to optimise that sleep and to help um, parents to get through that period as, as best they can. Mm. So in order to do that, um, so Pam kind of came to me and said, look, we, we, we need to do this. And so we went back to the scientific literature more broadly mm. um, to find grounding for, for, for the possum's uh, sleep intervention. So we already thought that ACT would be useful. Mm. So, so acceptance and commitment therapy. So that was a part of it. But wanting to to get back to to the the um, the literature. So the problem of these other two in, um, approaches is also it's a problem of um, of, a, of a lens problem. So they're very much looking at it from a one specific way of looking at the world. So the behavioural sleep intervention, the dominant paradigm is very much just looking at it from a behavioural psychology worldview mm. without kind of taking into account other potential, you know, scientific sources of information like lactation science or, or science on sleep, for example. So we were, wanting to, we were wanting to not have that problem to look at things in a quite an interdisciplinary um, worldview, yeah. looking at all of those lenses that are relevant. So including yeah. that behavioural lens is still very much a grounding um, of, of possums, but looking at other relevant lenses as well. So a, a big part of what possums is also grounded in is the biology of sleep. So there's actually quite a nice amount of, of scientific literature on how sleep works in general. Yeah. So sleep is a biologically regulated uh, process and there's two ways that it's it's regulated so one is um, the circadian clock so mm. your sense of of the you know the, the the time of day throughout throughout the day and that's what helps sleep consolidate into the night time mm. and uh, the other is the sleep homeostat so mm. the sleep homeostat is like a need for sleep so the longer it's been since you've had a sleep yeah. um the pressure to have a sleep again, it builds. Mm. So you get progressively more and more sleepy and yeah. it becomes easier and easier to fall asleep. And, in fact, until you reach a point where falling asleep is is, is inevitable and you'll mm. fall asleep no matter what you're trying to do. Mm. So what we want to do is to help support for both parent and for baby this circadian clock and the sleep homeostat to be to, to regulate sleep and to support healthy sleep where that biology of sleep 
can unfold in a in a that that healthy way as it's as it's meant to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also realizing that there there's some things that can the main thing that can actually interfere with this is if um, there's high levels of of arousal. So anxiety, mm-hmm. stress. Um, is how an adult might talk about it but for a baby if baby's feeling quite agitated and crying and fussing and and doesn't feel like baby's needs are being met Mm. um that's going to interfere with baby's ability to fall asleep as well so we're we're um we're hardwired to if we're in that high arousal state you know as far as our body's concerned that means there's a potential threat about you know a predator Mm. or something not a good time to fall asleep Mm. so we need to allow our body to come out of that high arousal state and to, and to settle into a calmer state in order for that um, the circadian clock and the sleep homeostat to then, when it's the right time, switch us in, into, into sleep mode. So that understanding of that biology is also, is also a big part of it. Um, there's so much I can talk about here with this. I'm just, I'm just wondering if I, if I could, should pause and take a breath and let, and let you um, ask me some questions, and we'll let, let, let this unfold a little bit yeah, rather sure. than me trying to, to keep jumping from topic to topic. That's probably a good sort of overview of, of what the state of the science was when yeah. we entered the game and why, why we did the, the possum sleep intervention and what we've tried to kind of grounded in. Yeah, so a couple of thoughts have, have come sure. up. Sure, right. Um, so one of them is that I believe for babies they don't actually develop a circadian rhythm till until three months. Are you sort of, mm-hmm. um, is, is that right? And mm-hmm. are you sort of trying to, in a way, help match that circadian mm-hmm. rhythm to the mothers or? Yeah, um, we actually have doubts about that <laughs> that, that oh, it's not really? developed until three months of age ah, okay uh, so some babies will consolidate um uh sleep i mean they they do wake at night without mm. without a doubt they'll wake oh, at yeah yeah absolutely. Yes. um and if you look at the um lactation science and from a breastfeeding perspective and you know regardless of whether or not you breastfeed your baby is a baby that's developed over millions of years of humans breastfeeding so that's mm. their biology um is is kind of built for and you know formula is based off you know human breast milk so Mm. it actually is quite similar to it in many respects so um so babies do without a doubt wait for night for nighttime feeds Mm. um but um you know many babies will consolidate their sleep into the night hours so sleep far more at night Mm. than during the day from a very young age Mm. um so you know, from personal experience, my own daughter certainly did that. She's she's yeah. not described my daughter as a great sleeper, um, mm. but she certainly slept um, from after um, just a couple of weeks. She was sleeping for lengthy periods. Yeah. Her lengthiest period was definitely at night. She would sleep for big chunks at night, and during the day, she was only sleeping for much smaller periods of yeah. time. That, 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 as I understand it, is the norm, but there are quite a few exceptions where they have it switched the wrong way around. Or... 
Absolutely. Yeah. So that would be then I would say, a de- but the, given that there's so many babies that do it, mm. it, it seems likely then that that would be a, a circadian clock problem in those particular babies. Yeah. And in fact, many of the, the, much of the current sleep advice actually um, interferes with the circadian clock. Mm. So um, for example, people are often told nowadays, um, sleep breeds sleep. Have you, have you heard that yeah, one? Yeah, I have, yes. yes. <laughs> the best way to get your child to sleep well at night is to help them get nice, lengthy daytime naps. Yeah, yeah, definitely um, heard that. Now, once you understand the biology of sleep, um, that seems really implausible. So that is mm. certainly not the case with adults and children, that mm. sleep breeds sleep. In fact, um, the longer it's been that you've had a sleep, the sleepier you will become. Yeah. That's how the sleep homeostat works. So it's similar with, with, with hunger, for example. Mm. So, um, you know, the longer it's been since you've eaten, the more likely you are to be hungry for, for your next meal. Yeah. Um, and having lo- long, lengthy periods of, of sleep during the day is actually um, going to interfere with the circadian clock. So the circadian clock doesn't have a direct... Um, way of knowing what the time is it's no. reliant on environmental cues yeah and so some of the big ones are light exposure mm. so if baby's napping during the day in a darkened room that's telling the baby's circadian clock that that's actually night time mm. so that's interfering with it with the circadian clock mm. um Lengthy periods of sleep during the day also start to interfere with the circadian clock. Mm. Um, and so I, I think for many of those babies, it's the fact that the, it's not that they don't have a circadian clock, it's the fact that the environmental cues are not there to help that clock to sink in to real time to know actually what the time of day is so that the sleep can be consolidated at night. Yeah, right. So my understanding was that um, it was the breast milk prior to three months that largely drove the circadian clock and it was after, you know, around three months where the light and other environmental cues started having effect. So you're not so sure that that's the case? I'm not so sure that that's the case. Mm. Um, I mean, I think um, certainly there's been factors identified in in the breast milk that that help bub to um to fall asleep mm. in, in the, during the night um hours but yeah no i'm not i'm not so sure that 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 is the case yeah, right okay very interesting if people want to learn more about you and your work where where can they go so the easiest um, place to go is just go to my my website. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just my my full name. So it's www.coawittingham.com. Great, and I'll include a link to that in the show Fantastic. notes. Fantastic, thank yeah. you. I hope you found that as fascinating as I did. You can access today's show notes at www.practicalresearchparenting.com forward slash coa four. So that's K O A four. To find out more about the Possum Sleep Intervention, please tune into our next couple of podcasts and visit www.possumsonline.com. So understanding your child's sleep biology is so important. I've come to consider it the first step in any good sleep intervention. If you'd like to learn more about sleep biology and how it applies to child sleep, I've developed a free video and email series to help you learn more about it 
and apply it to understanding your child's sleep. To check that out, just go to www.practicalresearchparenting.com forward slash first step. So that's all one word. So this by no means replaces the one-on-one tailored approach of the possum sleep intervention, but it will give you an idea of how powerful an understanding of your child's sleep biology can be. So that link again is practicalresearchparenting.com forward slash first step. Please tune in next time for more details on the possum sleep intervention.